Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. My friend Evan Roth leads Roth Consultancy International LLC, a coaching and consulting company focused on ex uh, assisting executives and leadership teams to succeed in all facets of business performance. He's known as the executive coach who serves the few who influence the many and brings more than 30 years of corporate business experience into every coaching engagement. So Evan, welcome to People First. Thank you so much, Morag. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm looking forward to this. Me too. We've known each other for many years and I've watched the meteoric rise of your coaching practice and your influence globally. So I'm looking forward to learning about that. But I'm starting each of these episodes with your origin story. Yeah. Because often we see the overnight success that people become. But of course, there's a windy, windy track that got you to here today. Mm -hmm. So flashback to when you're sitting at elementary school and the teachers asked you to draw a picture of who or what you wanted to be when you grew up. And I'm curious, what did you think you were going to be? What did you want to be yeah. when you grew up? A good question. I think there may have been several things, but probably the one that um, won the day was being a baseball player. And and uh, I obviously did not become that. <laughs> okay. Were you good at sports at school? Uh, I was okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's something that was really fun for me. I, I used to keep uh, track of people's batting averages and their earned run average. And so I followed the stats. I followed the trades. I collected baseball cards. I played wiffle ball and baseball and all that kind of stuff. Never was was great at it, but it was a passion. It was a lot of fun. All right. So you didn't go into baseball, but I know that in your early career, finance and numbers. So is that it? The statistics? Is that the, the I, pivot point? Very insightful, Maura, because I think it is. I Oddly enough, I would remember numbers. I would remember someone's batting average from two and three years ago from studying the baseball cards. You know, you look on the back mm -hmm. and you can see how many home runs or whatever it might be. And I just remember how fun it was to know what those numbers were and what they meant. And, and it seems odd now, but not so odd because I chose accounting as my career. And, mm -hmm. and, and perhaps that was the origin. I hadn't ever really thought about that, but I think that's, that's true. Yeah. So, so tell me about your accounting career, because you were obviously fully immersed at that, reached senior senior levels, worked mm -hmm. across industries. As you look back, what were some of the the high points for you as you reflect on the number side mm -hmm. of your first career? Yeah. You know, I think what was really great was um, bringing together both the numbers and and creating business outcomes with the people. And, and I think that manifested itself most through mergers and acquisitions. I think that was probably the most fun that I had was doing M&A work. Um, so some of this is simply diving into a spreadsheet and figuring out valuation of a company or doing comparables and how much of a premium can this company digest on its balance sheet, you know, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And then, you know, you, you realize there's a personal impact to everyone when you go through a merger. Are we going to have redundancies? How does that work? I feel bad about that. I mean, I don't want anyone to lose their job, but we also want to create business value. So all of that uh, blended in to a lot of challenge, you know, due diligence, integration. It's, it's uh, uh, an expansive area of, of complexity that I like the challenge of thinking through all that and, and doing the modeling and, and seeing it through to its, its fruition. 
Mm, so I'm just reflecting back to numerous coffees that we had at the REI Starbucks mm -hmm. in Denver as you were transitioning then from, again, finance now to launching mm -hmm. your coaching practice. So mm -hmm. this is like your third career from aspirational baseball star <laughs> to finance and numbers expert to now deciding to launch a people-focused coaching mm -hmm. practice. What were you thinking? Uh, it, well, <laughs> or was I, Morag? Well. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I feel very fortunate uh, and, in, in fact, blessed to have been um, had a pivot point opportunity. So there was I, I joined a company that was in the student loan finance industry, and in that I took on an operational role. But what I noticed in, in, in the company was we really needed some work on our leader development, our soft skill development, those types of things in order to grow and scale the company. During that period of time, I think we acquired 24 companies in four years and, and all of these people dimensions were coming into play. And um, I, I at one point got a call from my boss and then the CEO and he said, hey, what you're doing over there in that division, why don't you just do it for the whole company? So hmm. I, frankly, more, I, I got lucky to, to be able to be called on to do that. So I partnered up with our head of strategy, our head of HR, and, and we started putting programs in place for culture development, leader development, uh, bringing in executive coaches. So I got to retain what I was going to become. And uh, that was kind of the intro into all of that. And, and um, I just got fascinated. And as most people have in their career, you have someone who whispers in your ear that's pretty influential. And, and one of the coaches that I retained, we, we did some leader development programs together. He goes, you should watch what I'm doing. You may be doing this someday. Little did he know he was prophetic mm -hmm. and, and uh, just a, a wonderful man who, who allowed me to kind of experience it. And, and I, I loved it. And so I fell in love with the profession while I was still in the corporate world. And it was a great company. They launched me into this profession. I'm profoundly grateful to them. In fact, still consult back to them. But I knew I wanted to get further into other companies. I knew I wanted to do more of an international. We were a domestic focused company at the time. I wanted to do more international work. And, and the only way I was going to do that was going to be out on my own. So tell me a little bit more about how you set up um, for success when you did move out onto your own. Because there's one thing being versed in running a business and understanding business mm -hmm. when you're part of the business. And there's a subtle nuance here because when you become the business, mm -hmm. As you will have discovered, it's a whole different set of stresses and priorities and so on. So how did you get ready for that yeah. transition? And then let's continue that. Yeah. So so uh, profound words, Morag, because uh, one of the coaches I retained introduced me to a model called the conscious competence model. And, and what I realized was I was unconsciously incompetent in what I was moving into. There was so mm -hmm. much I needed to learn. So I just immersed myself in learning, in study. And a lot of the learning was not just book learning. It was conversations with you, with mm -hmm. smart people who have had experiences and you gain from their experiences. So there was a lot of that that went on. Then there's also, to your point, doing the practice and actually running a business and being the business is, is uh, grossly underestimated in all coaching schools that one mm -hmm. can go to. <laughs> yep. And so the beauty of it was I, I had the business fundamentals and the financial acumen to, to know what that was. The other thing that I did, and it, it was just essential for me to do, I'm, I'm more financially conservative, so I decided to pay off all debt, take care of all of that before I made the jump, which helped my risk uh, compatibility so I could sleep at night to say, I will, you know, it's, this is going to take time, but it can grow, and I don't have to worry about certain things that others might have to worry about 
as they're launching on their own. So one of the things I know I struggle with, so like you, I spent many years in finance. The numbers piece I get, the looking at cash flow and conserving cash and managing, I get that. The thing that I struggled with, and I'll admit 13 years in, I still struggle with, is the, yay, I'm Morag, I'm fab, I'm really good, you should hire me. And that internal, A, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. but also the British reserve of I like bragging and yeah. tooting my horn to attract... It is a challenge to get mm-hmm. out of my own head in order to, to do that. What was your biggest challenge then? Once you've <laughs> got the financials piece put to one side, yeah. you went through your certifications, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that that still exists for you because I think it exists for most people. We either acknowledge that we have it or we don't, but we all mm-hmm. have it. So I think that's okay. really true for everyone. And for me, it's it's immersing myself in my own um, discomfort zone, learning more about myself, facing the things that are challenging for me to face so that the imposter has, has less of a voice and it's less frequent and it's less loud. So um, part of this for me is, is like a journey into authenticity. And somebody shared the quote with me, I have no original content, Morag, but I, there are smart people that you borrow from all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and they said, you know, authenticity is nothing to gain, nothing to lose, nothing to prove. And when, when I move in that direction, oh. I'm in a good spot because I'm no longer wondering what others think of me. I offer myself up and it's either a value or it isn't. And, and it's taken the pressure off to, to, uh, try and be something that someone else wants me to be. Many have said, oh, you need to go in the speaking circuit. And I say, I don't want to. That's not me. That's not my thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, to each his own. You're you're a published author. You're a speaker. I mean, there are things that come naturally to you that don't come to me. And I, I want what works for me. And so it's sorting through all of that. I love that because it gives free will on both sides. And I offer myself and the coaching I can do with a partner but it is always their choice as to whether they act on it, leave it, or modify it. That's it. Yeah, and really true. It's it's huge, and it's interesting. You talk there about you must go on the speaking circuit. You must. There is so much keeping up with the Joneses when you're running a business, and I've seen that with Sky Team. The um, definitions of success that mm-hmm. are projected onto us around. Well, why aren't you? 50 million of revenue and 30, you know, 30 consultants and work. You know, that's not what we want to do. We're the three musketeers. We're having fun. It's four of our eight corporate values. We're working with great clients. Beautiful. We have stepped back from the hamster wheel of ex- mm-hmm. others' expectations and defined success that works for us. Yeah. And that in itself has been empowering. To which I would say, congratulations. I mean, that it, there's a process that we all need to go through because we are conditioned mm-hmm. in family of origin, through school, through through our professional lives to have our heads on a swivel and, and wonder what others are thinking. To some extent, that's valuable. So, you know, when when you and I are, are coaching with someone, there's there's uh, this idea of 360 feedback and, and understanding, you know, what others may think of us. But there's also giving it regard or not giving it regard. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's not that I don't care what other people think. It's that I, I only want to compare when the comparison serves me. So my example is like through the pandemic here, Peloton's taking off. You get all these young, energetic, beautiful people pushing on their bikes. And that somehow kind of inspires me. So, yeah. But there are many other comparisons that don't uh, serve me. And I'm trying to let those go because I'm going to be way better off just doing what I do and being myself. And I think that's, for me, much more of a definition of success. 
Okay, so I know your coaching practice has grown rapidly to include leaders from around the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are you finding are some of the common challenges that no matter where we are on this planet of ours, leaders are wrestling with every day? Yeah. Yes, uh, great question. And uh, humans are humans, but our culture does dictate how we do our processing. You know, there's the stoicism perhaps of the Germans. There's the effusiveness of the Latin Americans. All of these things, you know, enter into it, but we still, to your earlier point, Morag, we all have imposter syndrome. Every single human being has it. We all suffer from assumptions, interpretations, limiting beliefs. That is all there. We all want safety and health for our children and we want our, our, our lives to be successful, that goes across all of humankind. And with the divisiveness that's going on right now, I, I, I want to and need to remind myself of, everybody just wants that. They just mm-hmm. want to have a good life. And really, we have all that in common. Yeah. When we were getting ready for this conversation, you, you used the phrase self-leadership mm-hmm. leads to effective leadership. Yeah. Tell me more about what that means for you. Yeah, I think I may be on in the minority on this one, Morag. So this this may be a bit of a controversial thing for for some leaders to uh, consider. I just the, the leaders that I have most respected, the the people that I follow, lead themselves exceptionally well. They're yeah. disciplined. They're aware of their uh, their own thinking and their impact on others. Uh, they're well regulated once they are have become aware. They're, they're present in the moment. They're not in the future time zone or the past time zone. I mean, it, it's a real discipline to lead oneself. They're, they're highly accountable. You know, they, they, they just don't make excuses. The, the excuse meter is not on there and they don't blame. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And the other thing that I notice is the most effective self-leaders have an abundant mindset. So they, they believe in the possibilities. They believe in what could happen. They believe in solutions they don't even know about. And they're not afraid of what they don't know. And I really like that kind of thinking about leadership. Oh, I'd love to go a little bit deeper because, as I mentioned, uh, Eric Ruby and I have started work on our third book, which takes the concept of how do I show up as an ally Mm -hmm. to others and to myself when people and circumstances might be causing me to be at my worst. Yes. One of the foundational element of being an ally is abundance and generosity. Mm. And of course, you just used that word abundant there. So I was like, oh, so when I say abundance and generosity and the concept of being an ally, yeah, what does that, how does that resonate for you? What does that immediately bring to mind? Yeah, you know, I, I'll say in my weaker moments, Morag, that, that um, scarcity is, is much easier to go to. So the mindset there is I win, you lose. And, mm-hmm. and it's just not a healthy mindset. It's not a helpful mindset. I don't show up the way I want to show up. Neither does the other person. So if I can go in wanting the best for you, with no expectation of reciprocity, I'm now in generosity and abundance. I can actually ally with you much more effectively because I don't have a dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. I, I just want you to be successful. So what can we do? How can I help? And I also have to be mindful that I have, you know, we all have our own tendencies. I like serving and sometimes I can overserve. So I'm reminded I just did a course on um, resilience and the, the uh, Dutch instructor said, you're, you're like the lighthouse. And, and it, it just poof, epiphany. While I'm the coach, I'm, let's say I was coaching you and your ship is drifting along. I shine a light with you for a period of time to shine a light on things that will cause you to grow and become better and to achieve your goals. And then the light goes off because you're on to your things. Mm-hmm. There's no dependency, dependency created. And I've given, hopefully, the gift to you of helping you reach your goals. 
And I like that because now I'm not doing uh, in this abundance mindset. I am, I'm shining the light on the things that someone should do for themselves because they're entirely capable. I love that metaphor because it's not only shining the light on the navigable channel, which still has guideline boys, mm -hmm. but you choose where you want to go. It is also shining the light on the rocks you need to avoid. Absolutely. Yes. Well, well said. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that metaphor works. It does. Wow. I may have to adopt that one. So if somebody were to choose to work with you as a coach, Evan, what could they expect? How would you describe your coaching style and approach? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I, I would say there's probably, and, and you mentioned one of the words ally, and I, I would put in there uh, partnering. There's really three things that I do, I think, well with my clients, which is affirming them when they are um, getting the job done, challenging them to get out of a comfort mindset, to get out of uh, habits that don't serve them or others. And, and, and some would say that's confronting. I like the word challenge much better because they know they can be better. I know I can be better. So that's where I get maybe more in the athletic mindset mm -hmm. of we can all get better, myself included. And, and so we can embrace that. And then partnering with them, be their thought partner, be their challenge partner, be their support partner. That's what the experience would be. So some coaching sessions are really hard because we're working on hard stuff, stuff that's been embedded forever. And it's time to challenge that and say, do you want to keep owning that? Do you want to see that shift? And what's your commitment to getting there? People mm -hmm. kind of don't always like being challenged on their commitment. That's my job. You know, you're, if, if, if we're being highly accountable as leaders, we're accountable to ourselves. If you committed to yourself, you're going to get there. I will help you get there. But I want to see your commitment so that we can make this work. Yeah, because ultimately you can have, like Evan, the best coach in the world. But if you actually don't get on the Peloton bike or go out and do the, you're not going to get the fitness level, the leadership level that you aspire to. You've got to do the work as the coachee. That, no doubt about it. And and uh, several bodies of work do this really well. And, and, and what I think it came out of Stanford, I'm not positive, but this the, the gap between intention and impact mm -hmm. is what my job as I'm shining the light on it is, is to close. So yep. if we can get that impact, then we're good to go. A lot of people have the great intentions, but can't seem to pull the trigger, can't move themselves forward and or regress. And they, they can't figure out why. That's when you need a coach is let's get this figured out once and for all. So uh, clients who are ready, willing and able to take action. Yeah. What else makes for your ideal client? Yeah, a learning mindset for sure. So if they are voracious learners about themselves, about um, the world, about what they don't know, that helps a ton. So I, I, I do enjoy that. And I do uh, enjoy having clients that are simply committed, disciplined to um, working at it. Mm -hmm. It's just, it, it requires that kind of a discipline. An example is many times I'll ask them to keep a journal of certain thoughts because I know those certain thoughts lead to an awareness of certain ways of being and keeping a journal is a pain, mm -hmm. but those that do it get better results. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about what to expect if I were to work with you as a coach, what you look for in a coaching client. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for people who are listening and watching to pe people first who are thinking about getting a coach? Yeah. What should somebody be looking for to make sure that they are setting themselves up for success and picking the right partner? Yeah, fabulous question. And, and I do give people direction. So in the coaching world, typically, well, first off, Choose from a variety of coaches. Don't don't just pick one and don't just go with someone's recommendation. You, mm -hmm. you, you need to kind of um, pick from a group. But what you really want to query for is two things. First one is, can I get a result? 
that I want with this person? Are they focused on my success? And do they know what they're doing? And can it, do I believe I can get there with them? Secondly is, can I be myself with them? Because if I have to put on airs and I have to pretend, it's not going to work. So when, when you hit those two criteria, you pick that coach because you're probably going to get what you want and you can be yourself and, and you just move faster when that happens. Okay. So look at whether you can be authentic, the chemistry, but to your point, don't just pick from a list of one. Make sure that you've interviewed several. Well, and uh, Morag, there's times where we have a certain affinity with someone, but they may not get us the result. They may be likable, but they may not be your best coach. And so mm -hmm. the idea is it's, it's always got to be results driven. Coaching, problem with coaching, many times the ding that it gets is, you know, we had great conversations, but I never really changed. Well, that's a failure. Mm -hmm. That's not okay. We've got yep. to get the result for the client and for the sponsor of the client. If it's a corporation, that's essential for our business. We've got to get that. Okay. So as learning then, what are you currently learning and how are you flexing your yeah. Evan stroke coaching muscles. <laughs> yeah. So um, during the pandemic, so I was on sabbatical when the pandemic broke and I, I, I got last flight out of Western Australia and back. And, and during that time, uh, I, I experienced my own anxieties about what does this, what does the future hold? Uh, will I get sick? Will my family get sick? You know, all the things that human beings experience. And it uh, nudged me to go do take two self-study courses. One was on mindfulness. The second was on resilience. And I knew they would be beneficial to me personally. And, and it's real work for me to do these practices. But I also knew it would benefit my business because everyone needs these. So oh. that's, that's where my work has been. All right. Thank you. So as you reflect on 2020, and I'm looking at thinking, oh, my goodness, we're in October already. What are you hoping that we collectively learn from this experience? Yeah. Um, my, my hope is that uh, we learn how to reframe really well. Say more about that. Yeah. So, so the way that we look at the world can really get static very quickly. What I'm finding as I'm working with my clients is they're now looking at the value of their jobs, the value of human interactions, the value of a hug, the value of I'm, everybody is looking at things that they have experienced very, very differently. And they're assigning different values. I think the workplace and how people get value out of work is going to be profoundly different after this because people realize that life is much more fragile. Life is way more uncertain than they ever admitted to themselves. It's always been that way, but we've never really given it that credit. And so therefore, they're, they're changing their value systems. They're looking, framing things very, very differently. And I think that's going to be a fabulous learning if people can remember it. What concerns me is people who say, gosh, I wish it would go back to the way that it was. I, it's, it's really tough when I don't believe that's going to be the case. Indeed. Well, Evan, I thoroughly enjoyed reconnecting and listening to you about your leadership journey and learning a little bit more about your coaching practice. What final words do you have for people who are listening who, again, may be considering coaching, currently mm -hmm. working with a coach? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would say if you're considering working with a coach, here's a, a challenge question that I give people before they actually say yes. On a scale of one to 10, how bad do you want your goals? 10 being I would gnaw off my right arm uh, for, mm -hmm. for getting this goal. I tell them I'm only going to work with you if you're a nine or a 10. So the idea is they need to be very committed to their, their goals, their own growth and their own development. And watch out when, when people are that committed, it makes the coaching so much more productive. So they've got to want it pretty badly.
we get out of our own way, but we also just grab ourselves and get over the excuses and yeah. let's start doing. I love it. Yeah. Evan, how can people get in touch and find out more about your work and practice? Yes. Uh, so you can go to my own coaching site, which is uh, www.coachevanroth.com. I'm also found at coloradoexecutivecoach.com. And uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. I enjoy having new connections. And, and um, I like to put learning and materials out of very smart people that I think can benefit my clients out on LinkedIn. And so that's a fun place for me to, to meet up with people as well. All right, Evan, I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes. Thank you very much for sharing your experience and insights today. Thanks for the invitation, Morag. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.